Welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve. And joining me, we got a full fucking slate. It's a five-man pod today. And by man, I mean Claire from Relatable Roles is here. Claire, how you doing? Hi, I'm also here from being your best friend. Don't just put me in one pigeonhole. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a fucking plug, man. I'm trying to get those I, views I, up. I know, I appreciate the plug, but also I don't want our friendship <laughs> to feel transactional. No, absolutely not. You are, you are a light in my life and I appreciate you. Um, even, even though I, 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 we may come to blows over at least one of the movies we're talking about today. Oh, we'll probably see. all of them. <laughs> probably maybe. all of them, yeah. Two, two or three, maybe. Maybe? I yeah. don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, also joining us, you know him from Good Brews, Bad Views. You know him from being on this podcast. You know him as Max. Hello. Also on Relatable Roles. With also on Relatable Roles. Yeah, it's not a solo Claire podcast. It could be. It could be. Uh, yeah, why, why haven't you, you know, uh, done that yet, Claire? You, you've been bitten by, bitten by the podcasting bug. See, here's the because thing. Because once you have one, you have to have at least three. Let's, I'm, I'm the brains, I'm the body, I'm the funny bone, I'm the bits of the podcast, but I also am lazy. So... If I can share the spotlight with someone who will also do the editing and the monitoring of the website, that seems like a win-win for me. Mm. Yeah, and I have to pay <laughs> anyone to do that, so that's the big distinction. But yes, I am that person. No, it's uh, she's. I mean, she's a reasonable person too. If you're if you're a man under forty, you have to have at least like three podcasts. Or who are you? It's part of your identity. <laughs> yeah, when I started dating my fiance and he didn't have a podcast, I was like, "Are you sure you're a mediocre white man?" Um, I'm confused. You are an exceptional white man, honey. (laughs) Wow. You could even call him a white supremacist, you know? (laughs) (laughs) In a a lot of ways. He's from Virginia. Well, he is from Virginia. He is from the South. What did Max have to say about that? Uh, Where was he during Charlottesville? He had, he is on record of saying Charlottesville is his favorite city. I didn't dig too deep, though, because I didn't oh. want to know. That's good. We got that one in our back pocket. Uh, also I'm getting joining some us. really evil looks from across the room. <laughs> uh, he's handsome. He's successful. He's coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. It's Jake. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing pretty good. This is our, our, our first like camera on podcast. Uh, it's 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 going pretty well, I think. It's so good to be able to see you. Yeah, it's great to have some faces. I feel engaged. Yeah, now now I can look you in the eye when I talk over you. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if uh, like if anyone else like Jack maybe has like just an AI chat. It's in like Irish mode, and he can he just types in a subject like Ozu, and then that's how we get those long rants of those long winded takes of, of all his films. So we'll have to see if he can do camera mode too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try it out on him. Yeah. And finally, no podcast would be complete without the angelic presence of our sweet baby, Adam Myros. How you doing, sugar? Uh, I'm doing all right, Steve. You know, great subject today. Camera off. Pants off? Is that what you're doing too? Uh, no, I've got the dog here. You know, that would just not go well for me. I think I'd have like carved up legs by the end of the podcast. <laughs> Gotta have a barrier of some sort. I do have one quick aside before we start, and I apologize, but I feel like it needs to be uh, memorialized where I just got a sassy message from my fiance from across the room that says, 
I don't want to interrupt again, but what happened in Charlottesville isn't funny. It's not 9-11. <laughs> He's got a point. He's got He's a got point. A point. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm marrying him. I have to keep these bits in the family. <laughs> it's true. Well, we are gathered here today because uh, we have decided to discuss one of the great master thespians of the 21st century. That's right. Paris Hilton, star of the silver screen, the small screen, your MySpace page in 2006, and probably some other screens too. Uh, But Paris Hilton, aside from being a hotel heiress, and the cover of the October 2003 issue of Seventeen magazine that Myros jerked off to. Uh, she's actually got acting in her blood. Uh, her aunts are Kim and Kyle Richards, who uh, you all probably know from the Real Housewives. And uh, they had some great roles in the 80s. So Kim was great in Tough Turf, which I, I put over a couple weeks ago on this show. Fucking awesome. Starring alongside Robert Downey Jr. and James motherfucking Spader. And then Kyle, of course, is known as her role as uh, Lindsay Wallace in Halloween, a.k.a. the only girl who survives other than Lori. Uh, but yeah, Paris was she was Paris Hilton was like this early it girl, right? In the early 2000s. So she she was basically known for being rich as fuck and partying, which is a great thing to be known for. Uh, sex she, tape, right? She was she was one of the early uh, sex tape celebrities, mm-hmm. I would say. Sex you know, where it was just like your famous. Yeah. Because of the sex tape. Yeah, famous because. Kardashian. Yeah. yeah. It's funny you say that, Max, because she really is the proto Kardashian. And also, Uh, Kim Kim Kardashian Kardashian worked to clean her closets. She was Paris Hilton's closet organizer. That's how Kim Kardashian got her big break before the sex tape. Exactly. Exactly. There's this uh, wonderful clip from The Simple Life, which was Paris Hilton's amazing reality show, which, by the way, is shamefully not available on streaming at all, which I think is totally fucked up. Uh, But yeah, there's a clip of a young Kim Kardashian, like helping Paris Hilton pick out outfits. And Paris is just like, I want to go to India sometime. And then uh, Kim Kardashian's like, you have to cover your hair though. And your hair's so beautiful and they'll kill you if you don't. I don't think that's how India works, but what do I know? Also, anyway, baby Kesha was on an episode of The Simple Life before she was famous. Oh, so I didn't know that. Yeah. Paris wow. and Nicole stayed with Kesha's family. So I had no. Yeah. Clue. So Kesha is on an early episode of The Simple Life. Wow. Wow. So yeah, Steve, I'm here for all I your pop it's culture important. needs. It's important before we get into it to distinguish that this this is not an episode of our ongoing Babes series, because no. I think Paris Hilton falls into a. A very different category because usually the Babes series ends in in us feeling like a great crushing depression for the way that uh, Hollywood has churned up these people. Uh, whereas here, uh, this person is just a billionaire fuckhead. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Are we going to come to blows already? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how long this would take. Paris Hilton deserves better. <laughs> Legitimately. Yeah. She was kidnapped well, from her bed in the middle of the night and sent to sex abuse jail. Like, yes, she's sure. also True. kind of an airhead, but she also was aware that her most of her like inheritance was getting given away. So she became a fucking DJ to the stars and makes a billion dollars a year DJing. And she's actually pretty OK at it. So I respect mm-hmm. her. She deserved better. I Everyone did. I, 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 I saw her actually DJ one time. 
and uh, she's she was wearing a shirt that said like "Stop being poor," and uh, I I don't know what she, she's there's a lot of fist pumping, and I'm I'm pretty sure she just hit play, but everybody really liked Good it. Good for her though. Uh, Get a that lot of bag. underage kids were asking me to buy them beer. It was it was a great time. That's actually an important moment in optimism vaccine history too, because we used to have a column in the local like alternative weekly magazine here. And, uh, we, we got, we got censored because I, I wrote a column about my experience seeing Paris Hilton live. And I made some disparaging remarks about the festival that was hosting her and they had a deal with the alt weekly. And then they, they just took the article down. So <laughs> bastards unceremoniously censored. What is the state of American journalism? Not great. Um, anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Paris Hilton, not part of the Babe series, as Myros pointed out, because with most of those, it was just like this ascent to stardom and sex symbol status and then just crushing defeat. Whereas with Paris Hilton, uh, aforementioned, she, I mean, she is a rich fuckhead. Uh, I love her, but she's a rich fuckhead. And she kind of started on the on the opposite end where things weren't so great for her as Claire previously mentioned. And then she sort of, uh, she pulled herself out of it. And it, it was amazing to watch her ascent too, because you know, if if you watch something like real housewives now or the Kardashians or anything like that, there are silly moments where it's like, Oh, look at the rich people being detached and, and not knowing how much anything costs. And it's, it's so silly and opulent, but they're never just the complete butt of every joke. And The Simple Life basically set up Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie as the two dumbest motherfuckers alive. I mean, it literally is them like, hey, you got to go to West Virginia for three weeks and go to a Walmart for the first time. And then they're just like, what's a milk carton? They just they don't know how to do anything. It's incredible. You have to be a little so, bit smart to be that dumb. And true. That's, and that's she knew she owned it. Mm-hmm. She cultivated this image. And it's also interesting because unlike uh, some of the other uh, beautiful women that we have covered in our Babes series in the 90s, she wasn't a conventional sex symbol, really. Um, She had the sex tape and uh, she is conventionally beautiful, I would say. But really, part of her allure was people love to fucking hate her when she was super popular, like at the height of her popularity and influence, people hated her guts. Which is bullshit because her hit 2006 single, Stars Are Blind, is a fucking banger. And everyone needs to know that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) The year Promising Young Woman came out, I think it was my favorite movie of that year. One, because it was a pretty good movie, but also because Stars Are Blind by Paris Hilton played a key pivotal moment in that movie. And I was like, thank you for giving this song the second chance it deserves. It is on Mm. the bracket that I have made for First Dance Bracket. In the wild card region. <laughs> it is seated number nine. Please make that the first dance at your fucking wedding. It's in, that's why it's in the wild card region, okay? We still have to go through the whole thing. My girlfriend would lose her mind if that's what your first dance It's a great is. song. It's a great song. It's a fucking banger. Maros, you fuck with Stars Are Blind? I, I'm not familiar. I will say, Claire has now, uh, you know, set the record as being the first person to ever be on the Opvac cast uh, who liked promising <laughs> it's true it's true yeah like it was uh, uh, not the point That's of this okay. podcast i thought it was good for what it was because i went into it with like oh this is going to be the worst thing i've ever seen and because it wasn't that i was pleasantly surprised 
Yeah. And you know what, Myros? It doesn't matter because here at Optimism Vaccine, people are always like, what's that podcast all about? And then the answer is always respecting the opinions of women. Yeah, Hating on movies. No, no, never. So why don't we discuss some of Paris Hilton's cinematic triumphs? And where are we going to start? Let's start with House of Wax. Uh, so this was a Dark Castle production. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Jake, you seem like a person who's familiar with Dark Castle. Yeah, a bit. They uh, did a series of horror movie remakes in the early to mid aughts. They did uh, 13 Ghosts. I think they did that Gothica mm-hmm. movie with Halle Berry. And, and then they did Ghost Ship. Ghost, ghost Ship. <laughs> yeah. Basically, if, if there's if there's a ghost movie from the 50s, they covered it. And uh, then they did House of yeah. Wax, which I never saw until this podcast. And uh, I got to say, pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best of these Dark Castle movies. Like, oh, it's, it's 100% it's, it's the best. Yeah. Impressor. No, it's absolutely the fucking best because it's their whole idea for the like the Dark Castle like remake series is fucking asinine because I mean, like, I think three of the movies were like William Castle movies that they decided to remake, which if you've ever seen a William Castle movie, they're fun, but they're goofy as shit and gimmicky. Like 13 Ghosts literally comes with like a little like ghosty card and you could hold it up to your face <laughs> and it makes more ghosts appear on the screen so if you want thing. to put the movie into extra scary mode you can which is like <laughs> something my co-host ryan would come up with for like his latest and greatest overly expensive projectors like oh yeah it's got the ghost mode setting yeah it's got ghost mode. yeah yeah ryan who's always got to have a new four thousand dollar projector in his house see 13 um, on my ghost until i get extra spooky <laughs> Yeah, so it, like this this gimmicky shit, and then so they took and they're like, let's make this ser- serious horror with a new metal soundtrack and tons of bad CGI, and that's pretty much their approach to everything. But then you get to House of Wax, and my god, like this is a pretty good fucking movie, and it got completely just smeared across the board when it came out. Um, a lot of that was tied too to the the Paris Hilton bias. They, you know, it's so weird because. I think one of the common themes that we're going to find in these movies is Paris Hilton isn't the fucking problem. Okay. Like it's not her fault. Now, given in house of wax, I don't think she has the best character in the world, but she's working with what she's got. Like, you know? Yeah. Like I, th- like, I think she's like, and my big, that's my biggest thing with house of wax is I legitimately like house of wax. Like I saw it in theaters when I was in high school. Like it's probably my favorite of the, you know, late noughties early aughts um like just bad slasher churning horror movies through the pipe and spitting them out and you know eat your dog food children it's it's up there for me because i think it's like legitimately good but all the characters also like i don't care about any of the people in the movie because they don't give them enough to care like i don't, I don't care about them because they don't give me anything to care about but i love the yeah. movie itself and so that and that's not paris's fault and just the entire marketing of that movie is like come see paris hilton get killed I'm like okay pandering respect but pandering um, <laughs> yeah well and it, yeah and you can you can go further and talk about what's in the text too which is a kind of gross i think this movie is and again i'm not this isn't to slam paris hilton it's just to say that this movie probably is more successful without her because well a, it's pushing two hours 
and B, like her and her boyfriend are uh, not really part of the central plot. They they don't even really venture into the the city o wax. Mm-hmm. Really, they're just there so that uh, whoever's idea this was, uh, producer, director, writer, can you know kind of grotesquely <laughs> uh, play with the the sex tape. You know, that's like the entire reason she's here is well, a that's marketing and B they're just doing it throughout the film. Like there's a whole handheld uh, camera section of this film that it really only exists to be like, Hey, remember the sex, sex tape? tape called she was in a sex tape. Yo, <laughs> do you want to hear something really cool about the, the Paris Hilton sex tape? Uh, so I, uh, I, I did my research for the podcast cause uh, when we have guests on, I try, you know, cause I, I gotta. So, get, so get you went and watch the, so you went and watched the Paris Hilton sex tape is what you're saying? No, I uh, I didn't go that far, uh, but I, I was reading about it, and in the official release from Vivid Video, in the beginning, there's a dedication to the victims of 9-11 at the beginning of the fucking Paris Hilton sex tape. I'm not even fucking kidding. For the like, troops. That's, that's fucking real. For yeah, the troops. Exactly. For the fucking troops, Paris man. Hilton cares. Yeah. Didn't it come well, out actually, like I, th- I mean, I think she sued to have it not released, but <laughs> yeah. whoever the scumbag after guys, that. <laughs> yeah. Paris Hilton funnels money to Saudi Arabia. Um, so yeah, I, I so yeah, Paris Hilton not the problem here. The movie does try to exploit her. Like her big two moments are doing a sexy dance in a tent in her underwear and uh, sucking the dick of the guy from Cousin Skeeter. Guys, she I just dropped is, her chapstick. <laughs> she just dropped her chapstick. But yeah, but but the cast is fucking amazing, amazing because it's like a who's who of like people you sort of recognize and people who look like other people. So you got Elijah Cuthbert, who's basically fake Kirsten Dunst. You got Chad Michael Murray, which respect to Chad, but he's basically poor man's Ryan Phillippe. Uh, And then you got the kid from Cousin Skeeter getting his dick sucked. And then you got one of the handsome boys from the show Supernatural. Like, everybody's there. Sam Winchester. (laughs) Yeah. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. Amazing cast. And then uh, with that too you get this incredible soundtrack like you get the fucking deftones harmar superstar uh detroit favorites the von bondies remember when that guy that that big fucking dopey guy from the von bondies got beat up by jack white that was really funny uh yeah I, interpol fucking marilyn manson the stooges joy division like this is a great soundtrack it's it a great rips. soundtrack yeah and then the other thing i like about this movie a lot is Really, it knows where its strengths lie and it leans into them. It takes for fucking ever <laughs> to get to the good stuff because yeah. it has to like build up with all this story that means nothing. Uh, but once it gets to the kills, the kills are grisly as shit. They look good. And then and this is what I really like. The practical effects are fucking awesome. But the only time they really kind of layer on the CGI because all the sets are practical too. uh is when they're in the titular house of wax uh, and it's starting to melt. And then they have all these like CGI shots, but it's amazing because the problem with CGI and every like dog shit Marvel movie or, you know, big budget action film is when you use all that CGI, it looks like glossy and fake. But if the entire purpose of a set is it is literally glossy and fake because it's made out of wax, it works perfectly so they can lean into that. So this is the only cheap horror 2005 CGI you will ever see where you're like, fuck yeah, that looks good. So yeah, it's a banger. This is a fucking great movie. 
Yeah, I yeah, think it's it is. It's legitimately excellent. Yeah, I, going back to like the time, the length of the movie, I was shocked that this movie was two hours. Because if you tell me House of Wax with Paris Hilton is like what one of the billable names, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a tight 90 of a movie. But it's almost like 40 minutes before the first like act of horror happens when um, a trap door opens and a large pair of scissors are very slowly extended out. And uh, you, you, you know what's happening to someone's Achilles tendon uh, when that scene starts, but it's, it's a very like a nerve wracking, uh, you know, scene, but also just like it takes 40 minutes to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then, and then the setup for all of it, not that I'm some script writing genius, but I'm like, I don't know. Did we need like 20 fucking minutes in a waffle house where Paris Hilton talks to Eliza Cuthbert about how it's like, Oh, you're going to be a writer at Harper's bazaar or whatever the fuck she's doing. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. None of these relationships matter. All we need to know is here is your obvious final girl. Here is her weird sibling who I thought they were Does like, it matter first. why he was in jail? Like, <laughs> They make a big deal about how he was in jail. That's a plot point that never yeah. came up again once well, things started happening. That's how you know he's I, tough. He's a tough. Yeah. He's the tough guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a yeah. shadowy past. But like, he's he only went to jail stood. because he covered for the other dude. That was said and thrown away about forty-five yeah. minutes in. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Well, we were we were setting up the parallel between the uh, the twins who are hunting them and and them. You know, there's a good and an evil. But also, that doesn't really come into effect for the villains. Like Mm-mm. you're like, okay, the guy in the mask is going to end up being the good twin. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll turn. He'll help them get out. No, no that doesn't really happen. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting some sort of like murder suicide. You know, I'm stopping us from doing this thing. But like, no, oh, yeah, no, yeah. no. Well, and and then in like the the big final like climactic scene, two amazing things happen. Because one, Max, you're right. They're expecting that. And so she's like, no, I know you're not bad. I know you were just treated poorly as a child. And then he pauses for like one second and he's just like, and then just (laughs) proceeds to go in a stab mode. It's like, all right, well, that didn't work. But then the my favorite scene in the whole movie is when the the house of wax is on fire. Everything is melting around them. The uh, the two murderous twins, which. By the way, if you haven't seen this movie, it's like some Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit. Just kind of go with it. It's Texas Chainsaw wax the plot edition. Doesn't matter. You get to see some yeah, pretty grisly shit and people yeah. murdered with wax. That's that's the price it's of admission good. right good. there. It's the plot does not matter. So my my favorite scene though is I, I would call it the ultimate like subtext is for cowards moment in the history of cinema. And that's when she barricades a door in the wax museum with a crib that has like a, a replica of the two because the, the <laughs> killer twins are like Siamese babies that were separated and it's it's a crib with the Siamese baby and then the killer puts the knife through and he literally separates the babies and I was just like fucking clapping my hands and barking like a seal the entire time but my question with that though is that it is then like ham fisted at the end that there that, that there is a triplet that they are three of them so i just was hoping oh, there'd yeah. be like they'd cut back to that baby scene in the crib with them and then just like have one hanging off the other's foot and be like there was a third <laughs> this whole time bah, 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 bah. that's so good yeah i feel like that was just like oh we filmed this uh six months later to set up a sequel mm-hmm. yeah Fuck well me. just in the way that the movie plays with your expectations like it's very obvious like that um let's see here uh damon herman harriman is as uh lester the weird like 
backwoods guy. Like, they obviously set him up to be like, oh, he's the weird, creepy backwoods guy. And then it appears that, like, he's actually just, like, I'm trying to be helpful and whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the end, like, it makes sense that, you know, oh, no, he was the one funneling people into the, uh, uh, into the House of Blacks, much like the hitchhiker in, um, uh, Texas, Texas Chainsaw. 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 Yeah. 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 But, um, like, but, but for, like, up until that reveal, I'm like, wow, that was a nice, like, change in cinema. I'd be like, oh, no, he's just a nice roadkill pickup guy, you know? Yeah. Like, everybody, every town needs a weird red herring hillbilly who just plays with dead deer all day. You know? It's, <laughs> you could on. be that guy. <clears throat> I would love to be that I guy. I don't know. I mean, coming off of uh, another movie that from this era that also featured a fake Kirsten Dunst and an Achilles cut, uh, this is just so much goddamn better than any of those Urban Legends movies. It's like, this is <laughs> true. It's just legitimately fucking fun. Like, the the finale with the melting house cgi and all it fucking rips yeah. it, it's just like mm-hmm. so well crafted like this movie's not fucking around for for aughts horror this is top tier stuff like yeah. the, the, in a bad era of horror this movie is trying its ass off yeah mm-hmm. uh, no i love the climax so much like you think they like considered every possibility of what to do with wax and it's like okay now the house is on fire what's gonna happen well you gotta run up the stairs and they turn into like the goopy little puddles <clears throat> from like the Roger Rabbit bucket or something. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a fantastic cl- uh, closure to the film. And then also I love just the casual sadism of our villain. Like I winced when he snips off the tip of her finger when she's trying to reach up through the gate after yeah. she has her mouth super glued. That's like that's really heavy shit. And I'm like, oh, wow, that it yeah. went there. Yeah, it, it was good. And it kind of balances, too, because obviously we are balls deep in the torture porn era when this is coming out. And it like, I, I, I don't know, it it takes a little bit from that, but not too much. It takes a little bit of the post scream slasher stuff, but not too much. And it takes Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but not too much. And it's better than that fucking Jessica Biel remake. So it's got that going for it. But it's like it's it's picking the right ingredients from the right places within the time period that it's it's made in and it's just it's fucking good it's like fuck anybody campy doesn't like brutalism it's like brutal but campy campy and I, and brutalism I yeah i love right, that yeah I, that's a good phrase i mean i think that's what a lot of the torture porn stuff gets so wrong is you, you want a fun like, sadist you, yeah you need you someone really to be able to like turn to the camera yeah. and wink a little bit like if you're not doing that then like and there's just, no fun oh yeah well that's why yeah, another as movie as from the same as, era uh wolf creek is fucking fantastic yeah wonderful yeah wonderful is it yeah. my, my only note that I because I'd seen all these movies before my only note for this one because I was also listening to it and watching to it while it was working was House of Wax at 49 minutes Jared makes the sluttiest little fear scream noise OMG so I think that was my favorite <laughs> part of it because he goes like ah, 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 and it's like oh sir <laughs> Best 10 seconds of the movie. Even his his death Love in it. that uh the like the Ludovico technique chair where he just gets covered in wax and then presumably everybody just starves to death. He just puts them all up in the church and they and they die. That's fucking gnarly as shit, man. 
super gnarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my favorite part too. Is like, yeah, it's like, oh, he's dipping real human bodies in wax, but it's like, spoiler alert, he peeled off all their skin and they're still alive. Yeah, that's fun. Love that. Yeah, and then, it's I, like, then it, it turns I mean, fun when the other guy shows up and tries to peel the wax off, and it turns into like, I love Lucy at the candy factory. Like, no, 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 no. Let me put your face back together. <laughs> I also think that this movie is, I mean, it's, it's prime for reassessment, but specifically I'm calling out to the LGBTQ plus community to reclaim this film. Uh, it's got Paris Hilton, but let me also tell you, it's got an extended sequence with scenes from whatever happened to baby Jane just playing in the background. So mm-hmm. I feel like th- this, this should be a queer horror classic, like fucking claim this shit. Go on and grab it. I'll do Somebody it. Get I'll it. do it right now. Thank on behalf you. Of my yeah. people. This, this <laughs> was the first time. As the bisexual on the call, Claire. <laughs> this was the first time I had seen House of Wax, but I had heard from its reputation that it was actually like a fairly solid uh, horror film, much to my surprise. Because um, I remember like being released and then hearing nothing about it, but then you kind of like popping up in conversation over the years. Quick question here. Have any of you been to a wax museum? Yes, I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I ha- I went to I one. I went to one here in LA. Uh it it's it's just kind of a bizarre experience cuz they they don't look quite right the wax statues and there's some with like props like oh you can hold an Oscar next to Leonardo DiCaprio and and all this and like oh here's Hugh Hefner on the Playboy bed. But yeah, it's uh, nowhere near as exciting as it sounds, <laughs> and it's not exciting at all. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I went to the there's there's one in like Niagara Falls yeah, that I went to. The one I went to. Yeah, yeah. And and same experience. You're like, yeah, I guess that kind of looks like the person. That's kind of. I mean, Jake, yeah, you've got the famous one. You got Madame Trousseau's or whatever, right? Isn't that isn't that in L.A. and that's the big famous wax museum? I, I guess it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 a lot of the dummies could use some work, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's right across the street from the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. Nothing, nothing better than being like eight years old, getting a fucking Ripley's book from the library and finding that little freak with the long fingernails. Yeah. That guy's mm-hmm. great. Or the world's tallest man. They have a, a statue of him out front so you can measure yourself next to him. <laughs> I only like the the uh, the Ripley shit where it's like things that I feel like I could accomplish. Same with Guinness Book of World Records. Like, oh, you can lift the tallest or you can lift the heaviest rock or whatever. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. Long fingernails. I could get there. It just takes time, you know? Yeah. The thing about the long well, fingernails guy is just real quick is that he now has no sensation in his hand. It's basically a dead arm because of the weight of the fingernails basically killed that arm. So if you want to grow, spend 60 years growing out your nails, you'll sacrifice a full limb. But hey, you'll be in a book someday. Yeah. And you can never jerk off ever. It's just not happening. With that hand, at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, what yeah, I mean, yeah. is it just the one hand or is it both? Is he just like long fingernails on the one? Uh, he's definitely got the one. Is it like and a they coffin like, Joe thing? It like curls up like the, the, the creature from the host hanging from the bridge. <laughs> it's it's yeah. hard to make me puke like from things being gross. I've puked exactly one time during a movie and it was during whichever jackass they like poured beer down the longest fingernails into the guy's I, mouth. I think that's the second that one. That straight up yeah. made me vomit in the AMC 20 in Livonia. <laughs> that's great. Right on. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, you'd have to grow it out on like not your dominant hand, I'd imagine. Yeah. 
because who knows? That's you're just you're just cruising for disaster at that point. Well, uh, I, I guess we should move on to. I mean, what does what does Paris do after House of Wax? Her big her big debut. Well, let's let's kind of move her from a, a periphery role into uh, more of a starring role. Let's get her fucking ass on the cover, on the poster. Let's make this a true Paris Hilton movie. And that gave us the hottie and the naughty, oh, uh, which oh is a no. classic. Uh, that ugly hoe would be pretty if she just fixed her shit movie, you know, kind of like she's all that, but like really awful. Uh, <laughs> My, my big takeaway from this was I felt like the movie was gaslighting me the entire time <laughs> because it kept showing me things and telling me things. And I was just like, I don't believe you. It was just like, yeah. So Paris Hilton is the most beautiful woman in the world. This is just like canon knowledge. Like they're just that's what they're telling you. No, she's this girl, this this character that Paris Hilton is playing most beautiful woman in the world. And they show her it's like. Oh, like men are just like falling all over themselves to try to propose to her. People can't even talk to her. She's so fucking hot. And Paris Hilton is a conventionally attractive woman. But like nothing about this movie says that you are so like overwhelmingly beautiful that I'm going to like melt into a puddle of goo. OK, Paris Hilton is like the royal family level of hot. You know what? People are like, <laughs> oh, Prince. <laughs> Prince William, what a hottie! It's like that—that's Paris Hilton in America. Like, it's like yeah. mm, she's and got like better teeth it, than him. And, and setting it yeah. in California on the coast is like even more of a like. That's what they—that's where those women grow on trees. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the yeah. thing. It's like yeah. you can find, you could throw a fucking rock in Los Angeles and hit a beautiful woman. I would assume. Jake can confirmed. Yeah, you you can do that. Yeah, just just throw a rock. Oh, yeah, like I'm, a, I'm a Michigan like, nine. A in the street. I'm a Michigan nine. I'm like a California, LA, like soft five and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like a California negative three. Like <laughs> return to sender. Yeah, they threw us out of California. Yeah, they literally got they got rid of us. We couldn't even fucking slum it in Bakersfield. They're like, no. Even these toothless mess addicts could be on the cover of fucking Vogue. <laughs> Steve, you're a Bakersfield 12, my man. Oh, thank you. That's that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about it's me. It's probably because you have all of your original teeth. Yeah, it's yeah, that helps. That, that'll get you pretty far in Bakersfield, yeah. honestly, you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, on top of that, they have like Joel Moore is is our our lead dude. And it's a weird there's choice. a couple of weird things going weird on with choice. him. He's basically, it's a really weird choice. Uh, he's known, I, I don't know, he, he plays bit parts in a lot of bigger movies. He's the guy from Hatchet, I guess, if you're like a horror fan of a certain era. He was um, the weird guy but, in Dodgeball? Yeah, he's a weird guy in Dodgeball. He mostly plays like weird nerdy guys. He's he was Joey like, Ramone in CBGB, which was also weird. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's so he has the weird. face for it. He does, like, he he does has, like, have the, the Joey Ramon kind of face, but yeah, it was just well, a weird kind of like a homunculus build. <laughs> I don't, he's weird looking. He's gangly. He's the gangliest man in Hollywood, <laughs> circa 2005. Yeah. He's like, he's like DJ Qualls with a better jawline. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, and I do love DJ Qualls. <laughs> Max has heard my DJ Qualls <laughs> rant before so many times. But I, but nothing about like a man of his stature. There's, there's no inherent fuckability to to joel i don't think uh but the other thing is like all of this is tied together because this character played by joel moore is still obsessed with a girl that he thought was hot in the first grade 
which don't fucking unpack that. But then the other characters in the movie, Paris Hilton, the titular hottie, and then uh, I forget who, but the girl that plays Christine the naughty. Christine Lacken. Lacken? Lacken? Thank you, yes. Uh, they both also have, like, weird memories and mementos from first grade where they all still want to, like, fuck each other. And it's so weird. I couldn't tell you anyone who was in my fucking first grade class. Not a single fucking person. Not a one. So, so I have a, I have Certainly, a funny, I, have a funny I don't story. think about fucking anyone in the first grade, unlike Adam Myros. <laughs> well, I mean, I went to a small private school. I could tell you pretty much everyone yeah, who went same. to first grade with, because I went to school with them for fucking ever. So, so that, do you have that on, would like, be, a fuckability scale? Then would you? <laughs> I, I can't say as I do, but you know, <laughs> that would be seemingly an easy fix to the script, right? Yeah. Why did Why don't we just have them go to school together uh, beyond the fucking first? Yeah, grade? that's the other thing. It's like just put them in fucking high school. Make it make it like just a little bit less weird. But again, the movie is so confident. It just doesn't it doesn't address any of this. This, this movie's too confident in some of those things it tries to pull. Like yeah. going back to Claire's like being grossed out and throwing up things. There's one scene in particular in, in Hottie and the Naughty that I'm like, oh God, no. It has to do with a large toenail flying off. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Naughty's got yeah. some foot fungus going on, and you know, some some guy she's dating catches a toenail. It happens. Yeah. We've all been. Tarantino's like, no, thank you. <laughs> I think he could fight through it. I did kiss a girl in kindergarten because I thought she was cute. And wow. then a couple Slut. years ago. Like, big oh, dick swing over here. Slut. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. And then um uh, hadn't talked to her since like sixth grade when I moved away and I was doing the online dating thing a couple years ago and randomly matched with her and she but she recognized me, which was the weird thing. Now so like worried. Yeah, maybe I think I, maybe people do have that kind of weird ass memory. So what was your did you message her? Were you like, hey, remember when I slipped you the tongue when I was five? <laughs> no, she was no. She asked me like, hey, like, where did you go to elementary school? And I told her and she's like, oh, my gosh, we were in like we were in the same like same class. And I'm like, there's only one girl with your name who was in that class. And I'm like I, I said to her, do you remember when I kissed you? And she said, yes. And I remember when your friend Justin told everyone else in the class about it. So, yeah. Fuck you, Justin. Wow. Yeah, Shout fuck that guy. Justin. He's kind of like a weird conservative piece of shit. I haven't talked to him <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, In Michigan? No. No, never. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate this movie, and I think it's terrible. Uh, it's very, like, first fucking draft, too. Like, mm -hmm. the whole script is just, could we have taken a second pass at this, please, for the love of God? Uh, but somehow I don't think it's as bad as it could have been, which is weird. It's still like this is the most one star. I want to fucking die bullshit. Like ever, it's, but it's, it's pretty misogynistic. It could have been way more misogynistic. <laughs> it could have been way more. No. Yeah, <laughs> It doesn't reach the heights that are available to it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's dog shit. The only other thing I have to say about it really is uh, while I was watching it, I don't know if it was something that I ate or touched or whatever, but all of a sudden I got really itchy and I just like broke out in hives like all over my body and I was just like covered in a rash. So I think it's entirely possible that the hottie and the naughty gave me hives, but we'll see. Oh, Jesus. We'll see. 
Well, I yeah, was surprised. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. This, because like this, like back, I remember when this came out, I never saw it, but it was all like, like it was, everybody trashed it. It was like, it's on the IMDb bottom 100 still, I think. It's, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. a, a totally bad movie. And it is bad, but like watching it, this is not quite the disaster I was expecting. It's like, a, I don't know, a, a passably fine kind of bad. Like, oh, okay. It's well, forgettably this is, bad, which is the yeah. most offensively kind of bad the, a movie yeah. can be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not like another film. I don't know who else watched the fourth film, the secret film on our slate here. But this looks like <laughs> the hottie and the naughty looks like Casablanca to another film that we watched. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's. It, you're right it's just a it's dull and forgettable but it's it's uh and then you know some casual misogyny but uh nothing too yeah. outrageously terrible about it but i mean misogyny in the same way that you know she's all that is of course doing a lot of the same bullshit i, I love taking like, oh, the 90s and early 2000s were incredibly misogynistic <laughs> yeah. like yeah. that's kind yes. of the whole crux yeah. of that generation yeah Exactly. And you like you get down to past like the wave of gross out bullshit in the first act of this movie, which is hard to get past. But to call this like a bottom 100, like it's not it's it's not exceptional enough to do that. Like it's just no. it, it really settles into this mode of being like a, a vaguely Swedish, uh, sweet and problematic, like rom com thing. Like it's just like vaguely okay, serious. Like it's like kind of most... like a Bergman film in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I find like from a female perspective, I find Shallow Hal to be way more offensive. Like uh, from, a fat, fucking, from a fat yeah. man perspective, <laughs> Shallow Hal could go fucking suck a dick. Because like the whole time I watched, like when I watched this movie for the first time, like however many years ago, I think it was sometime in college, I was like, well, at least they made her skinny. It could have been worse. It could have been way meaner <laughs> to women. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I, I figured know. it was that- going. I was like, are they going to have her be like, like grotesquely fat or something? And then it's just like, oh, then she's going to go get her cellulite sucked out or. No, no, she's just got a mole. Yeah, she's got like moles and <laughs> like a rash. Dental worth. Yeah, she moles just needs a routine. And yeah, I, she just needs a better skincare routine. We all I, got that problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will say, easy to solve. I, I, guess. I do think Christine Lakin, who plays the naughty, I think she does kind of walk away with with her dignity in this because she actually has mm-hmm. some decent comic timing and is probably the best performer in this film. You know, they make her look oh, like yeah. a yeah. unrealistic monster. But otherwise, she does have a spark of life in her, which is more than can be said about Paris and Joel David Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I don't know. It's not good. It's a bad movie, but it's it's not anywhere near the train wreck I was expecting, yeah. which is why we added this fourth film, which I think maybe only Jake and I watched. Oh, but yeah, which I wanted something I, I want you guys to know, I didn't even tell you about this one because yeah. Myros, this is some real nerd behavior, fucking Myros. He's like, um, none of these were bad enough, so I think we should also watch this other one. It's like, you're like the fucking kid in class who's like, uh, teacher, this is too easy. Can we have extra homework? <laughs> hey, I just want to know who set the slate, because Paris Hilton's not even the star of two of these I'm movies. I'm gonna fucking stuff your ass in a, in a locker, you fucking nerd. Hey, I, I just wanted to give proper representation to uh, Paris Hilton as, as a leading woman, Steve. <laughs> Now, who's being Steve Cuff? I'm no, listen, my middle name is Woman Respector. Don't fucking come at me. <laughs> listen, listen. Well, yeah, I, I guess this is it, it really is. It's it's just kind of dull. Uh, but yeah. if you want something that is going to aggressively attack your senses 
And probably the most divisive film that we have watched for this episode. Let me draw attention to Repo, the genetic opera, uh, which has Paris Hilton in maybe not a starring role, but a good, strong secondary role. What the fuck is this? Well, it's, uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a sing-through fucking musical. Uh, it is directed by Darren Lynn Bousman of <laughs> Saw fame. And I believe Adam Myro summed it up best when he called it New Metal Hamilton. <laughs> That's beautiful. No, I said goth Hamilton, Steve. Close enough. Close enough. Uh, but it really does. It's just like, what if an Evanescence music video was 90 minutes long? And, and, it, and Sarah it, Brightman and it's a, does kind of look like Amy Lee. Um, also, <laughs> before we get too into it, just because, Steve, I feel like you and I are going to have an emotional connection to this, just because uh-huh. we can never escape cats. Sarah Brightman, famously ex-wife of um, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh. I did not know. Yeah, that. the original Grizabella, <laughs> the glamour cat. That's that's a beautiful piece of trivia. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Repo the Jedi Opera. I, Myros says that we watched this when it came out, which I have no yeah, recollection of, and I I don't know how I couldn't remember it because, like it or hate it. I would not describe this film as forgettable because <laughs> it's just like there's I nothing don't like know, this. Steve. Put yourself in the mindset of like 23 year old uh, Steve and Byros, where we're probably drunk yeah. and just threw something on. It's probably like four uh, in the morning and we both drank a case yeah. of beer. Roy, where's this shit? <laughs> yeah, just imagine trying to watch this with when you're like incapable of paying any attention to it. It just will wash right the fuck over you yeah. and you'll immediately be lost at sea. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and as I mentioned, it is a sing through musical too. So all of. The songs are like new metal, butt rock, hyper compressed, like power chords. And then they're just like talking to each other. So there's all this like call and response shit. And I can't stop thinking about this one song where they're they're explaining the drug (laughs) that everyone's addicted to. And they're it's it's like they're they're like instructing the audience on, on what everything is like, this is the drug and it goes in yeah. a vial and it's blue in color and you put it in your body and that's what it does and everyone's like that's what it does yes that's what it a does a little blue vial a little blue, a little vial. blue vial and the little blue vial goes into the gun like a battery a battery <laughs> battery <laughs> And the it's guns just goes, fucking deranged. I, this, yeah. this movie is like if Hot Topic circa 2008 was made into a movie. And I'm, ta- mm-hmm. I'm talking back when it was like rusty metal and like the red backlight or it became less scary because it was freaking too many suburban parents out. But like that is mm-hmm. the that is the target demographic for <laughs> this thing. So I definitely yeah. watched this when it first came out and really liked it because I was, you know, 16 and i was like this is important to me now um or, or 18 were you whatever. a theater kid in high school i was Claire? not no i wasn't a theater kid because i wasn't okay. talented um <laughs> <laughs> well it's not about being I, talented being a theater kid is just about being annoying no. and thinking you're talented no i am annoying but the crushing <laughs> self-doubt balances the other one out um, <laughs> but like i i remember watching it like in in high school when it came out and then 
or early college, whatever. It came out in like 2008, so it would have been like right around that time. And then I d- didn't think about it again, didn't watch it again until we watched it like in our movie club over over the pandemic. And I was like, oh, that actually answers a lot of questions about myself from like 2009 to like 2014. Like a lot of fashion choices were made, I think, with the help <laughs> of this. Um, yeah, it's, it's a movie. Then, yes. <laughs> this is this is a movie where it definitely has an audience and i am definitely not that fucking audience That's like it, it is very clear to me yeah um, i love a bad it, musical like i find bad musicals charming and entertaining and this is trying so hard to be like the i am the penguin of doom here is a spork um that to me i find that charming uh and the the note i, just, I like, wrote it's, wrote for this is like this is where twilight got their filter idea um. <laughs> yeah, we we really should talk about how this movie looks. Um, oh, nothing God, else looks we? like it, but I think there's a reason why. I it's just <laughs> it's so fucking weird. It's uh, Claire. Before we we went live uh, to record, I think you called it like season one of RuPaul Drag Race, mm-hmm. where it's just like the Vaseline smear across the lens. So you got that, and then it also has like the desaturated high contrast look it's going. trying to be and sin then, city but failing spectacularly yeah but then everything is shallow focus like the fucking zoom filter where it <laughs> blurs your background so you're like and when i was watching it i thought that like the copy that i had was was fucked up because i i was like it, it can't actually look like this and i was like oh no that's that's what it looks like I don't understand. Myros, you're, you're the fucking film school guy. What is going on here? What are they doing? I, I God, I don't know. Darren Lynn Bousman probably did not go to film school, would be my guess. If he did, <laughs> <laughs> he must not have done too well. But it, it's also like chopped to shit. Like this thing is shot from uh, 10 angles, every single fucking scene and cuts between them at a, a staccato pace this is like a complete a completely disorienting and you know like they'll be in the middle of this musical number which traditionally these things are shot in a certain way to focus on the performer and it's like now what if we shot it uh from tilting through a banister it's like what what in the fuck are we even <laughs> the doing the way like, this movie is shot they, gives me visceral anxiety I shouldn't have taken my Vivance before watching it because I was too hyper focused and I thought I was going to have a panic attack. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is uh, not not well executed. But I will I say, say for all don't... of this moving shortcomings, for which there are a lot, I legitimately think Paris Hilton is my favorite part of this movie because she's playing herself, but a funnier version of herself. And I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting character, someone who's addicted to having plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. So much so it is, that it is a nice role for her. Go, her, go ahead, Jay, so much sorry, so that her, her face falls off in the climactic opera just from being sliced up too much. But I think yeah. to, to answer to why this is shot like this, because I've I've I, too, saw this when it came out. I enjoyed it. I've seen it like once or twice since and then watched it for this. And it's glaringly obvious that they really only had like one back alley to work with for a set. So they kind of disguised it with this shallow focus filter and like, okay, bring in the bedroom. And so they get like throw in a bed and some stuff. All right. Now the camera will swoop around here. Okay, great. Now let's do the Zydrate anatomy scene. And then everybody's, you know, frolicking around like the cats themselves from cats. And yeah, so it's, it's that they're This is a very cheap ass looking movie. 
that they are post-processing the hell out of it to to make it something. Yes, they are. I will say yeah. I do still enjoy a handful of the songs. I think they're great. I still listen to some of them. Zydrate Anatomy is a banger. I love Legal Assassin, which the anguished father sings to himself. And uh, the other one, the one that Sarah Brightman sings, Chase the Morning, where she starts playing images through her eyes. That one's really good, too. But yeah, it's great casting on that like six six Superman uh, repo guy too. The Anthony Stewart Head. You put some yeah, respect Buffy. on Anthony Stewart Head's name. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like what in the <laughs> strange <laughs> casting Giles choice. from Buffy. He's, he's fucking, and we know he has singing <laughs> yeah, talent uh, because once more with feeling, the Buffy musical episode might be my favorite yeah. episode of television of all time, and it's what I watch whenever I mean, I'm sick. He does. He does have musical like he's working his ass off That's in this it, thing. Yeah, uh, he's great. Yeah, and Paul, I think uh, we we're all neglecting the the real star of this film, uh, Bill Mosley, who uh, <laughs> can't can't even sing at all. It does not attempt to. No, <laughs> and, it really and, has and no it's place weird because like they, I mean, they had someone compose all this music, and it was a it was a musical like an actual stage musical before it was a movie. So, like, you didn't have to make Bill Mosley sing. Anybody could have been singing no. for Bill Mosley. What does Bill Mosley's voice sound like? I don't fucking know. Just have anyone sing. Yeah, is Paul Sorvino actually singing? That seems insane. But maybe he's, he's got a ripping operatic voice, I guess. Could be. I have no clue. I have no clue. But, yeah, it's, it's odd that Bill Mosley was like, ah, I can do it. <laughs> sure, buddy. I bet you can. <laughs> I think I think he's um, just there for like the horror street cred. Like, oh hey, you know this guy mm-hmm. from Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Now he's in this uh, rock opera horror musical. Also, this was an yeah, era that, where if if you wanted like a Bill Mosley or a Sid Haig, like call them up and give them fifty bucks, and they're fucking in. Like oh, that's yeah. all you need. It's just what an insane trio for the the kids of this like pharmaceutical magnate. It's like we need Bill Mosley, Paris Hilton, and the guy from Skinny Puppy. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, that's the the Holy Trinity. Come on, it's it's an odd choice. Uh, also, it, it, the movie is so funny because it feels very small in scope, considering the world that they try to build. So uh, there are these massive exposition dumps that they do throughout the movie where it switches into like comic book panels mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, so the world did this and then this happened and then this happened and now people are getting surgery and they're also addicted to a drug and blah, 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 blah. And someone's literally going to come and happens. rip out your spine if you stop paying payments on your spine. Yeah. So they set all this stuff up in the beginning and then there's all these flashback sequences where they do the same thing and then they're like, yeah. And then the, the mother wasn't dead because of the dad. It's because she was poisoned by this guy who also used to bang her, but doesn't bang her anymore. And blah, blah, blah. All this stuff, all this complicated shit. But then it's mostly <laughs> just about this girl who's like, I'm locked in my bedroom and I have no hair. And like, that's her whole thing. It's just the, the girl from the Spy who, 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 Kids movies. Let's yes. yeah. make sure <laughs> that Spy is girl, yeah. properly stated. Like the grave robber. Mr. Glass Vile himself is is the guy who's one of he's one of the co-writers of this whole thing. Like this oh. is this is his baby uh, from the underground theater to, to the big screen here. But so you keep thinking that that is going to be like the central character of this movie. Yeah. Like every time he shows up, you're like, OK, the grave robber, they're going to run some resistance or something. Bring her in. And it's just they keep. Pretending that they're going to do that, like there's like three fake outs where she's going to join up with the underground or something, and it's like, 
No, the guy's really not even in the fucking movie after the glass fire. He's kind of like uh, the character from an opera who does the Yeah, he's the, like the, the omnipotent narrator. Yeah, yeah. the Greek chorus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I did not know that the that the grave robber guy was that this was his baby. If this was my baby, yeah. I'd have a real late term fucking abortion. I'll tell you that. And it's like the the, um, the underground musical scene, especially like the the activist written ones, because like this was that started in a very like activist central like type of writing. So I went and they read some backstory on it out of curiosity. It's like for every ten repos. We get like one Hades town, and you know I'm okay with that because that's a balance that I can strike. Because every once in a while, one of them is actually legitimately very good. So if I mm. have to sit through ten repos to get one Hades town, I will continue to do that as someone who really likes underground musical theater. <laughs> I think if if I'm gonna go with like a horror tinged, goofy musical, I think Cannibal the musical is is mm. probably my choice. That's that's a winner. For Anna and the time. Apocalypse. I haven't seen that one. I it's think a fun you'd one. actually really, it's very campy and fun. I think you would like it. And it's actually really well done. It's All like, right. You might be the first I person mean, I to feel convince like, me to watch a musical. That's like Shaun of the <laughs> I Dead feel in like Scotland. We, we are obliged. No, I yeah. was the first person to do that. I was like, hey, Steve, let's go watch Cats. Let me call my friend Claire and she'll come yeah. watch Cats with us. And oh, then yeah, we no, I was excited 40 about minutes that. of us well, being very drunk, screaming about Cats. The thing is, is I, I was actually as a child, I was I was exposed to a lot of musicals and I just I just never got into it. This is really weird, too, because I have uh, I had very conservative, non musical, non artsy parents. But for some reason, they're like, maybe maybe we should just take Steve to musical theater like literally every fucking weekend. Like I've seen Sound of Music probably 10 times on the stage. I could fucking do Fiddler on the Roof as a one man show at this point. Like, <laughs> you know, at that age when you're like eight, you're like a sponge and you absorb all this shit. And what did I absorb? I absorbed like Donny Osmond and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Like, I. <laughs> Golden so, yeah, I, I don't know. If someone could explain this fucking uh, weird experience to me why my conservative parents thought that taking me to musical theater was the answer it was how to I, safely expose you to culture like yeah, legitimately <laughs> as someone with very catholic parents it's a safe way to expose you to the outside world and that's it's gotta be it, a, it's a part of culture that's been around long enough that it's like oh this is pretty sterilized this is quality stuff yeah mm-hmm. like it was a thing when i was a kid so it's it's good yeah. enough for you as well i got no values Okay, now Steve, we might have to uh, schedule a future episode here because because uh, Bousman has reteamed with this this gentleman, the Grave Digger, for two uh, separate other films. You know, what? The, we have the Devil's Carnival and and its sequel, Alleluia, the Devil's Carnival. Both musicals. Yes, yeah, no, they're the same shit. I mean, they're not. I don't think they're in the world of Repo, but they're they are. Uh, Do they look like the world the of same Repo? Maniac? Well, it's Darren Lynn Bowsman. Yeah, I'm going to go like, ahead yeah. and say yes. He hasn't exactly evolved as a filmmaker over the no. years. Oh. I mean, shout out to Darren Lynn Bowsman, though, because at this point, if Darren Lynn Bowsman makes a movie and it's got his like desaturated piss filter over it, you're like, oh my gosh, that's kind of mm. like cute and campy and fun instead of just, you know, mm. a throwback. Yeah, this movie, look, the, these sequels look exactly like Repo, but more. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. Can't wait. The Devil's Carnival is only 55 minutes long, and it stars Powder, oh. as well as Paul oh, Sorvino. It's got fucking Powder in it? Yeah. 
Oh, shout out Powder. He's the lead. Powder Bill, is Bill uh, Mosley's I, back. I would call Powder like one of our unofficial mascots for Optimism Vaccine, along with the Sinful Dwarf. I think those are the the two sides of Optimism Vaccine. <laughs> um, yeah. So, guys, let's. Uh, Jake and Myros, you guys did your little extra credit project. So, yeah. Why yeah. don't we listen intently while you tell us about the joys of Paris Hilton's pledge? This. Uh, Adam, you want to proceed? Oh, oh boy! <laughs> Thanks, Jake. I was gonna hand the, the baton to you. My God, this movie is uh... now. This is what if you were if you're looking at that bottom one hundred and going, oh well, a Paris Hilton movie belongs there. It's not the hottie and the naughty. That movie is. It's just generic, you know. This movie, holy shit! Like this is like the the last dregs of National Lampoon, and it is. Hell it's yeah. just a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Like it is just a goddamn nightmare. Mid aughts direct to video National Lampoons is just it's a fucking gold mine of the worst shit you've ever seen. Like if you look those movies up, there's things that you don't even know exist that you can just look at the cover. You're like this has got to be the worst fucking shit. Uh, it is appalling. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, should we do a National Lampoon series? Like I don't think I'd be able to survive with my sanity and my dignity intact. So. Yeah, we might as well do American Pie Presents, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, Bandcamp. Yeah. You want to watch Bandcamp? I've seen a couple of those. Yeah. Oh, boy. What about uh, Van Wilder 2, The Rise of Taj? <laughs> I mean, th this this well, is I, this is gonna no. I I will kill myself if we go into a National Lampoon's. <laughs> that name is mud. There's no way. I mean. There's nothing good. Yeah, no, it's nothing good. So the, the premise here, so um, Paris Hilton runs a sorority, and there's like six other girls who basically look just like her and they want to nice. be on the cover of FHM but they want to do that they're allowing diversity in their group so they get the less attractive the less conventionally attractive women and allow them to be in their sorority and then the movie just lurches from one gross out gag to another as they haze these poor women and then the idea is that they're going to just cut ties with them and uh the girls all get their revenge by like planting hidden cameras in the sorority and then at the FHM party they show videos of the hot girls like shitting on toilets and it's uh, to ruin their names and it's it's a it's a gross cheap looking piece of shit is what this movie is. I thought is. you said this was bad. This sounds great. Doesn't a guy get his and dick Paris sucked Hilton. by a dog or something too? Yeah. I I read something about oh, yeah, a dog that, dick sucked. Simon Rex on for a long yeah. time gets his dick sucked <laughs> oh, Simon by Rex. Rex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's he's, great. He's dating Paris. Yeah, this is back in like the, the scary movie three era. So he's dating Paris Hilton. She throws her dog under the covers and he somehow doesn't realize it's a dog until after it pops out. But we get like this five minute scene of a dog just going to town on his junk while three guys watch. And they're like, oh, my God, does he know what's happening? And and then he, when he realizes he freaks out, but then he's cool with it like the next day. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm still banging Paris Hilton. Yeah. He <laughs> doesn't mind if he gets uh, yeah, his nut I, as long as it's oh god that's fucking horrible <laughs> this movie is is horrible it, it, it's like the bottom fucking rung of it's it's unacceptable like well, Jake, i think you said entirely... it was like one of the worst things you've ever watched for the podcast which yeah. is, i mean oh, i think jake said that jake said it, it might be the worst film he's ever watched i said i said as i was watching <laughs> it i was texting you guys i was saying this is fast becoming the worst film i've ever watched for this show there's a scene where the school's plumber is showing his son the ropes and they're like downstairs in the basement with like all the pipes and the sewage and stuff. 
And meanwhile, Lin Shay is giving a college tour to the new girls. And one of them, the heavy girl, goes into the bathroom and she sits on the toilet. And downstairs, the plumber's son sees a sign that says reverse suction. And he pulls it. And then all of this diarrhea starts launching through the sinks and the toilets. <laughs> it launches the heavy woman into the air. She falls and splats on the ground and just a wave of shit gets flung at Lin Shay. It's it's I like <laughs> this is 10 minutes into the movie and it's I I'm like, oh, my God, this is awful. This is so bad. Just I'm really sorry, yeah, it, it, into the poop. Yes. It only exists so that they can have an excuse for the dorms to close. I don't know why we had to go with the uh, shit explosion method, but Lin Shay also later, uh, because Paris Hilton tasks the new pledges with uh, picking up used condoms uh, for some reason. Sure. And uh, Simon Rex is his, helpfully, his uh, roommate has a giant wad of used condoms that he's collected for some reason uh, that he will gift to her to get her out of this uh, demeaning task. And then... Uh, what does that smell like? Oh, you God. Think? <laughs> it's got a... Yeah, I wouldn't want that in the old dorm room, I wouldn't think. But, uh, but yeah, they, this all, like, culminates somehow in him tossing this giant ball of condoms out the window and Lin Shea just gets pelted with <laughs> Poor Lin Shea. Does it yeah. stick to her face? Was it more like a bounce? They like slowly drop down from a tree. Yeah, oh. it's a ball, like raining ball from the of condoms sky. lands oh, in a tree, condom. and then they just start falling on her one by one. And she's like, she has like PTSD That's from worse. the shit. But then she's like, "Oh my god, I'm covered in sperms." And then as they just drip, drip, drip onto her face, it's it's no wonder that she's like holding on to the insidious films for dear life because she doesn't want to do <laughs> a film like this ever again. That's good. Yeah, yeah, we've got uh Indian character, of course, named Poo Poo. Yeah. Uh, we have <laughs> it's racist too. That's great. Oh, yeah. oh, it's racist. Oh, yeah. We have uh Jeffrey Arend that plays like multiple roles. This is the the talentless oaf who was married to Christina Hendricks for a decade for oh. no reason. Uh yeah. but yeah, he plays uh, like this loser who is trying to get laid, as is the case in all of these movies. But he also inexplicably plays like uh a geisha in the sorority who like follows the fucking Paris Hilton around doing like Ching Chong voice. Oh, it is God. like, what the fuck is this goddamn <laughs> movie? Jesus. Yeah. So scatological humor and racism, right? Yeah. That's, that's and great. also like they just didn't record or couldn't nail down the plot to like the entirety of filming. So it's just like all Paris Hilton doing voiceover. Like the, that's like 60% of the film at least. It's just Paris Hilton doing annoying voiceover over, over whatever the fuck's supposed to be happening yeah it's, wonderful it's so cheap. i think what you're saying is you you did the extra credit and uh, do you regret it would you say i or? think my grade went down in the class <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean Fair enough. i guess the ethos adam has about optimism vaccine is that every week we need to suffer and we didn't suffer enough and so i'm like okay well i have 80 spare minutes i'll watch this 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 copy mm -hmm, that yeah. colin kindly ripped for us and uh yeah it was a miserable <laughs> time and i regret every moment of it that's what you gotta do. When things are too easy, Myros has gotta open the fucking Hellraiser puzzle box to get your fucking flesh ripped off. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I fortunately for our listeners, this movie is uh, quite difficult to obtain, so uh, do, yeah. not, do not make the effort. That's good. That's good. Alright, well, we should probably wrap things up, so Jake, what are you putting over this week? 
Um, I'm going to put over in the vein of House of Wax and good tactile horror, I'm going to put over a new film called Stop Motion, which I uh, recently watched and reviewed. Uh, it's directed by Robert Morgan, who had a uh, short in the ABCs of Death 2, which was also entirely stop motion. This is a film about a stop motion animator who slowly loses her mind trying to bring a project to life. And it features a lot of terrific stop motion animation. And if you're a, a fan of that kind of craft, uh, it's definitely well worth your while. Uh, it's a tight 90 minutes, too. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Stop motion. One word. All right. Myros, what are you putting over? Uh, I got to put on my Gamer God hat. Uh, I am putting over a, a game I might even be pronouncing incorrectly. Who could say? Uh, just came out last week. Uh, Balatro. It is a like a poker based roguelite that is uh, incredible. I don't know. It's it's like if you took I, the like the aesthetic is is really intentionally sort of vintage. Like it almost looks like playing Spider Solitaire or one of those like Ooh. bicycle poker games that were on like Windows ninety five. Uh, except it has all these insane roguelike elements that just make it like break constantly uh you know it's like a big score multiplier thing and it's just like it makes me feel like if if they had just like conceived such a thing in the 90s and it was just like packed in with windows then everyone in our generation would have uh, dropped out of high school because it's so goddamn addictive nice. <laughs> will fucking ruin your life but hell yeah qu quite quite cheap uh you know available on your switch on your steam whatever uh would recommend it is is an excellent time good shit uh claire max of course i didn't prepare you for this i just i, I forgot like, to do my homework remember. it's just stuff it's we're okay. vibing it with right matter. now yeah so it's it's just yeah it's whatever you're vibing with right now we do put over so it's just like here's a good thing to balance out the trash hey, yeah I, that's yeah. that's kind of it just something yeah. outside yeah. of the episode that you have been enjoying yeah. in one way or I, another i got something I'll say, i do too right, but i'll let you max? go first max Okay, yeah. So um, I just finished reading Born to be Bad Part 2, which is the uh, sequel to Born to be Bad, where author uh, Timon Singh interviews a number of uh, action film stars known for their uh, villainous roles and, and talks more about just their, their career as well as their famous roles. So uh, notable actors from Part 2 include um, Robert Patrick, Tony Todd, Stephen Lang, Scott Atkins, Muhammad Kisi, Zima, uh, Bai Ling. Uh, so just a lot of just like really cool, like stories from the production of various movies, as well as like how they got into being actors and stuff and whether or not they have like been typecast because of these iconic roles they've had. So, uh, mm. yeah, it, it's a it's a uh, there, there's they're about 300 pages, each of them. But uh, there's like 14 pages of interview, 14 uh, pages per interview. So, like, it's very easy to, you know, pick up and read a couple and put down and come back to. So. A lot of cool stories. Uh, I learned. Is that Literally the one that's... where the guy says that, uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was always naked and smoking cigars, and he has a penis the size of a cashew? Yes. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Yes, <laughs> that was the interview for. Um, oh, who plays the villain in Cobra? Uh, Stallone film. Uh, Brian, Thompson. Brian Thompson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brian Thompson was one of the punks in Terminator and. Remarks that uh, uh, Schwarzenegger was just standing around smoking cigars in the nude, and that all the steroids he took made him like have like the smallest dick he'd ever seen. That's fucking awesome. We love yeah. a tiny dick on a big man, Claire. Because it makes it look even smaller. 
Yeah, um, extra small, yeah. exactly. So I've been traveling a shit ton for work and I will continue to travel a shit ton of work for another two weeks or so. So what I've have been getting me through these flights, apparently Delta decided to put all of the Coronetto trilogy on their Delta in-flight entertainment. So I have watched Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz approximately seven times in the last three weeks, which has been great <laughs> for me. Also, Turnip Boy robs a bank on the game side. Plays great on Steam Deck. I fucking love Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. It was the most fun I've had in a tiny little fun game. Um, and then they made the sequel into Sentient Vegetable Hotline Miami. 10 out of 10. Cannot stop playing it. So Fuck fun. Yeah, I get down with that. Um, I guess I got to put something over too. So the only good thing I've experienced <laughs> recently, that sounds horrible, like a horrible way to frame it. My life is shit. No, I... Uh, I watched a documentary, it's called the uh, El Duce Tapes, and it's about this guy who, he was like a shock rocker in, in the vein of like a Gigi Allen, basically. Um, he was famous because uh, there's, a, there's a documentary about the, the death of Kurt Cobain, and in that documentary, uh, basically they interview him because there was a rumor that Courtney Love paid him $50,000 to murder Kurt Cobain. And he says that he did it and he like goes into detail about how he murdered Kurt Cobain, which is fucking weird. Uh, but yeah, he's just an absolute psychopath and a really bad person. But <laughs> it's fun because it's kind of like a bygone era. Like you don't have shock rock stuff like that. And like people showing up on like fucking Jerry Springer and, and getting those kind of interviews. And also it's great because they interview all the guys from Guar and they're like, yeah, this guy is the craziest piece of shit ever and we hate him and he's a bad person. So if you have the people from Guar telling you that you're too crazy and a bad person, that's, uh, you know, probably not great. Not a good um, look for you. I guess he he went on tour with Guar one time and you know those like like you would get them from like Chuck E. Cheese and shit or those like quarter machines where you get a little plastic ball and it has a thing in it. But it's uh, it's like an inflatable thing with a rubber band on it. It's like a little punch bag. Right. So I guess he got one of those and he like filled it with piss and he was just like punching piss at people so that's the kind of guy he was something to think about something anyways think about. if you enjoyed today's so cool show guy, you're <laughs> uh, the old piss punch old piss yeah. punch if you, if you like punch and piss and podcasts do us a favor check out the description to this podcast and that will lead you to our patreon and why why would you want to be a patron of optimism vaccine what a wonderful fucking question let me answer it for you first of all there's so many benefits. The benefits are just, I, I can't even begin to count them. Let me tell you a few. Uh, one, you help us because podcasting costs money. When a microphone breaks, when we have to pay for our hosting, who does it? It's you. It's you, dear patrons, that pay for these things. So God bless you. Uh, also, you get access to our patron-only feed, which has tons of old articles that we've written. It's got all kinds of podcasts. It's got a new podcast coming your way. I think soon this weekend we're recording it like tomorrow special patron yeah. only podcast it's exciting and here's the most fucking exciting thing you're going to hear all day uh if you live in the continental united states and you donate to our patron patreon at any level i will send you a movie from my personal collection what's it going to be is it going to be a, a porno on vhs a blu-ray box set a big old laser disc who knows you have no idea but it's coming to your house but steve so that's, that's where i live <laughs> yes yes you too claire could get a giant box full of pornographic films on vhs anything is possible so that's great but now you're saying steve that's that's just at the lowest level what if i want to give you more money 
And that's a great idea. Why don't you? And if you go up to that $5 level, let me tell you what you get. First of all, you get to vote in our patron polls. You get to choose things. You get to do democratic shit. You pay that poll tax and you can fucking vote on a future episode. And, and you get your name read out on the air. So, Myros, who are five and above patrons right now? See, I, I, a further benefit being that we are so uh, limited about a patrons that really you're, you're like more a part of an oligarchy, I would say. Yeah, it is. It's you like know, you're you, the royal you family. Really, you have more power than, yeah. than democracy allows. It's which, true. Which, it's true. You'll the be Paris patrons, you really pay in the oligarchy. Yeah, you're like a fucking yeah. Coke brother, basically. Exactly, exactly. We give you that power. Uh, and that brothers. power, <laughs> that power uh, this month is reserved for David, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Yep. And if you're an absolute lover of optimism vaccine or just a sicko, let me tell you what else you can do. $25. And you can do a reoccurring, you can do it just once and then drop back down to a lower level, whatever you want to do. And a few people have done this and boy, the results have been amazing. $25. You can pick a whole ass episode anything you want and we will do it and honestly people have been very generous to us and those have been some of the nicest episodes we've ever had to do uh one we even turned into a whole month themed around it so uh because you know someone asked us to watch a bunch of uh sicko porno exploitation movies and we're like yeah let's do that for four straight weeks so yeah that's what you twist our arm now if you have any questions comments death threats or marriage proposals you can contact us on social media at Optimism Vaccine or email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Adam Myros, he does nothing with his life. He just sits on Gmail and he hits refresh all day because he's a big fucking loser. Isn't that right, Myros? Uh, yeah, I don't have social media. I mean, you got to fill your day somehow. Mm -hmm. And what better to fill your day than the email inbox? So with that, Jake, the last word is yours. That's hot. That's hot.